It's your boy Rabino. And this DJ Erm in the building. And you listen to the Up and Up podcast. Yeah. Wait, what are we doing? I don't know. Just listen. Yes, 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 yes. Welcome, welcome, welcome. What to do, what to do. Ladies and gentlemen, you're tuning to the Up and Up podcast on the Up and Up Network. I'm your host, Rubino. And I'm DJ Erm, man. How you doing, bro? I'm good, bro. How are you? I'm good. I'm feeling good, man. You know me, feeling good, feeling blessed. Always. Right? It's a beautiful yeah. day. Beautiful day to be blessed, right? Mm-hmm. Every day. I, I got the same answer every episode. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's all good, though. Now I'm feeling good, man. And uh, for those of you first-time listeners and those tuning in, thank you and welcome to the show. As I stated, this is the Up and Up podcast. This is the podcast where we're focused on cultivating culture, right? Yep, yep. We do that by providing amazing stories of individuals, groups, movements, right? The mm-hmm. hustlers and shakers. Yes, sir. Those breaking down barriers. Yes, sir. Paving the ways, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, not just for all of us here, but for the next generation coming from behind, right? Mm-hmm. I'm feeling good, man. Shout out to the team, too, you know? Yeah. Shout out to the people in the room. Yeah, for real, they make They make the Shout energy right. Um, and yeah, like I stated, for the first time listeners, welcome to the family. Um, anything on your mind you want to uh, no, up. not really, man. Just shout out to Mackie, man. Everything's sounding good. So. Oh yeah, shout out yeah. to shout out to Mackie Audio, definitely, mm-hmm. man. We uh, super excited for future collabs as well, yes, right? Sir. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man. To get things going, um, as I stated, you know what we're here for, man. We're here to uh, provide a space for people to, I say, speak power to their journeys, right? Mm-hmm. Um, talk about the journeys they've been on, um, and we're all just trying to be inspired by it and, uh, and uplifted by it. Mm-hmm. Uh, today's guest is someone I would say who's found a way to merge. Uh, passion, culture, history, fashion, right? And, and mm-hmm. doing all of that to preserve history while carving the future, Yeah. right? Um, she's definitely a true culture cultivator who's keeping everything she's doing on the up and up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, to give a little more insight on the work she's been doing and continuously doing, she's the founder, president, and creative director of the thriving and uplifting Tazwira, uh, which is an African art and design organization, community space, uh, located in Seattle's historical Pioneer Square uh, area. Um, and just to kind of go a little bit deeper, um, which we actually had the pleasure of pulling up uh, in person Beautiful and space. experiencing this space and just kind of learning a little more about it. Um, and really with her brand and her company and her organization, they're really leading the charge, I would say, in bridging the gap between uh, African brilliance and talent um, to those who have yet to be introduced to it. You know what I mean? Um, you know, whether it is from African fashion, art, um, it's all directly produced by amazing artists and creatives from the villages um, that exist out there um, in the motherland, right? And, yeah. you know, we're super excited to learn more about what inspires her to continue doing this work. You know what I mean? We're mm-hmm. honored. Um, so let's just get straight to it, man. Our guest is none other than the amazing Avery Barnes. Can we get a round of applause? Yeah. Give it up, give it up, give it up. How you doing? Good. I feel, I'm so happy to be here and, um, you know... There's certain opportunities where, um, you know, I haven't had too many opportunities to really dive deep now mm. into um, in talking more about, like, what it took to get here and, um, 
and just talking about the journey. So um, yeah. thank you for having me. Man, no, today. thank you for being here. Thank you for being here. It's, uh, it's, it's inspiring. The work you do is inspiring. You know what I mean? Um, and we're, we're, we're happy to have you. I don't know how familiar you are with the show, but we always start every episode with the quote of the day, right? Yes, sir. Get the vibe right. So earn what you okay. got for us. All they right, they don't let me tell. They don't let me tell quotes. One day, here, bro. I got you. One day, I told you. It's never gonna happen. But <laughs> go ahead. What you got for so us? So the quote of the day today is: "One who causes others misfortune also teaches them wisdom." Mm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yep. You went digging for that one. Yeah, I know that. Yeah, yeah. Who's who's that quote by? I don't know, but it's an African proverb, though. Mm. So, you know. Mm. Mm. Oh wow! Yeah. Makes you think deeper. Yeah. To it, cause. Whew. Yeah. Man. There's the way that Africa was colonized. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It does get deep for real. Yeah, that's what uh, it's <laughs> real. <laughs> but also, I, I yeah, I also think it, it, it kind of provides um, it provides a different look at how you can take all experiences you know what i mean whether good or bad so um that's dope i'm also curious when it comes to african proverbs it's like it's like it's kind of like man don't even worry about who the messenger is yeah just get the message it makes you think that you know what i mean it's it's been taught for like a long time Mm -hmm. like those type of proverbs and like values that come from it lessons so Mm. okay yeah you never miss bro yeah never misses with the my research man hell yeah exactly (laughs) how my journey started yeah. was with that quote. So that's nice. really interesting. And just what brought me into connecting with the women mm-hmm. at the center in Kenya. Mm. Well, well, um, we're definitely going to get into that, into the journey. Um, but before we dive into that, I am, cu- am kind of curious. Um, so I briefly did mention in the intro um, with Taswira. Um, it's, well, I didn't mention an intro, but I did read that it's an acronym for Transformative Action for Sustainable Women's Initiatives and Resources in Africa, right? Um, now, reading that is obviously very well constructed and broken down, but from your perspective and kind of from your like vantage point, how would you describe kind of the vision and mission behind Taswira? <laughs> well, I mean, vision is the definition of Taswira in Swahili. And, um, I mean, there's so many different aspects to Tazwira. Um, our mission is, um, man, <laughs> how are y'all just going to put me on the spot and state <laughs> our, our mission word for word? Yeah, yeah no. <laughs> no, but it, it's really um, the, the vision of Tazwira is all about being able to restore um, some of the history it, within our culture mm. today and um, when people walk into Tazwira, um, the gallery, I want people to feel how they, f- how I felt mm. when I first uh, went to Africa and I'm all about supporting students and working with students. I'm all about um, working with women mm-hmm. and youth and supporting artists mm-hmm. and putting uh, the black community on mm-hmm. um, uh, black and brown community, mm-hmm. um, in in every way, shape, and form. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, it's, it's it's dope because um, kind of like we were talking about yesterday when we were at the gallery, where a lot of times, sometimes words just can't describe what needs to be done and what is being done. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. So, mm-hmm. um, but I I am always curious because it's just good to get the kind of the viewpoint from you know the people that from those that are actually doing the work, you know. 
Yeah, That's definitely. Awesome. So, um, let's take it back. Let's go to the beginning, I guess. So, well, let's talk about your upbringing, where you grew up, um, just how early influences, you know. Yeah, so I grew up, um, my mom was a single mom, so I, I never really had a father figure in my life, but he's Nigerian, and my mom is European, and um, and so I spent, uh, I was actually born in the country, in Kansas City, Kansas, hey. uh, <laughs> but I spent the majority of my childhood in Chicago, and um and I've been in Seattle, well, Washington, around for around fifteen years now. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. You know, That's good. Kind of a, re- a resident here. <laughs> <laughs> so, what what were like some of your interests like growing up? Like, what were you kind of into? What were yeah. like some of your influences? So, I mean, like I was always inspired by my mother. Um, she is such a creative person. She's an artist. Uh, she does ceramics, jewelry. Mm. I always spent time doing some kind of form of artistic expression with her. Um, but <laughs> I, let's see here. Who were my influences? I was always like, I had to move a lot. Mm. Um, so my mom and I, um, especially when we moved to Washington, um, I didn't really stay in the same school for more than two years. Oh, yeah. And oh, so I was like I'm the same way. a quiet, I was a very yeah. outgoing person and I would make a lot of friends, but I was always like that kid who kind of saw that person that was being picked on and kind of like, I always wanted to instill like, confidence in people mm. yeah and um uh yeah that's no that's such a yeah I like when you said what you said as, as far as moving school moving around a lot um i think that is a big big part of like what shapes you moving forward it just makes you uh, would you say it made you very adaptable it's extremely adaptable yeah. but i mean i and i've never said this before um but I went to school, middle school, in the beginning of high school. I actually never graduated high school. I got my GED. Mm. Um, so I went to school in Olympia. But man, like everyone is racist out there. So mm. I was bullied to the extreme, yeah. and uh, and so that kind of started my journey. As like I did school online taught myself math, looking at a computer, yeah. like mm. I was very, and then I don't really have, I don't have any siblings, so I was very like independent at a very young age. Mm. Yeah. I got you. I got you. Um, Staying on the topic of kind of like just the upbringing, um, I did read, you did an interview with the Seattle Met uh, magazine, which was dope, super dope. <laughs> um, that was dope. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. And um. I did read that you said your grandmother had a very big influence on you, um, even like outside of just that, but also kind of from like a mentorship aspect. Can you speak to that a little bit in terms yeah. of what that was so, like? So um, when my mom and I moved to Washington, I lived with my grandmother for a little bit. And, mm. um, you know, she I grew up in a household that was female-led, you know, the the strong person in our family was my grandmother. Mm -hmm. And um, 
you know, I didn't, I, I really, I looked up to her in ways, it's like, oh man, I think I'm, oh, here I am. Like, man, like, she had this museum, because the movies that she was in, uh, so she was Zuzu and It's a Wonderful Life. She's like an iconic, like, Christmas movie uh, actress, and mm. she was in like 16 other movies. And I would look at her doing, still to this day, she signs autographs and she makes her live in that way. And mm. um, wow. and she does a wonderful job. She's in her 80s now doing that. Um, but, you know, and a lot of people might see it as like, oh, you know, like she's connected, but mm -hmm. that wasn't any, re like, because this is my white side of the family, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so there was a part of me that was just like longing to like be accepted mm. and like, yeah, that's mm -hmm. a yeah. interesting conversation. Yeah. But, um, you know, I looked up to her and I was like, my grandmother is making money from signing autographs. Like, yeah. I want to be like that one day. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's, I mean, that's a rare uh, image to have. You it's, know what I mean? It's, uh, yeah, yeah. It's extremely, uh, I, I'm so, it was an interesting, like, upcoming. Yeah. Um, because I saw the way that, like, my mom, uh, you know, the way that she grew up. Mm. And it was uh, so much different than how I grew up. Yeah. And, um and the, when the stock market crashed, that really affected um, my family. And uh, uh, yeah, but <laughs> I'm, I'm also curious to like um, being able to like have those images of family members, people close to you who are actually like saying, yo, I do this. I'm going out on a limb. Um, I'm actually, I have a career in the arts. I have a, you know what I'm saying? I feel mm -hmm. like, do you feel like that planted some seeds to give you confidence to kind of imagine something for oh, yourself, absolutely. to create something it for yourself? It was talent. Yeah. And uh, my grandmother was, uh, she, both of her parents died when she was younger. Mm. And she ended up, uh, I don't know if I should be saying this, but I don't know if she cares now. Um, she ended up being taken in by her aunt. And I mean, my grandmother's a childhood like actress, so she was mm. put into that at a, such a young age. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until like ten years down the line when that movie actually like uh, uh, became like a recognized movie. Yeah, and um, and so. Um, but yeah, my, my grandmother has a really, really interesting story. She had to endure so much. She had like seven kids. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, it wasn't like glamorous. Yeah. I mm. think that she had to do things that, you know, she wasn't able to like have that childhood. It was just work. Yeah. 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 Oh, definitely. I think... Um I just think I just think it's always great to have those sort of influences, whether from up close or far, to kind of let you know, yo, I can go do my own thing too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, now, now, kind of veering into your development 
in terms of kind of creating something for yourself, right? Like the the journey into Tasuira before Tasuira was a thing. Um, was there like a pivotal moment for you that that you can say kind of like kick like the ignited the flame or whatever to start that momentum? Are you, do you recall looking back? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> so I was uh, at the age of 16, I moved out of my house okay. and I was like independent at 16. So, um, I mean, my first real job, I worked at MAC Cosmetics for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was a makeup artist and um, that lived with my cousin. That really got the ball rolling on being able to uh, build connections and meet new people in the city yeah. and who yeah. are involved in things. But there was a um, a huge pivotal point. Um, man, you know, there's certain things that I'm just, I don't think I feel comfortable talking about. Yeah. Um, but there was a pivotal point in my life where... Um, I was so, you know, I just, I was a hustler and I just, I had, I was so unhappy mm-hmm. and, um, you know, I was, I was struggling mm-hmm. and um, I think that that's something that a lot of other, like <laughs> so many people in this world can relate to yeah, and mm-hmm. that was actually what I bonded with over the most um, with the women in Kenya. Mm. And uh, I could relate with them in in a lot of different ways. And, you know, just like, yeah. And uh, like selling stickers on the corner of the road, you know, like (laughs) just do. (laughs) Yeah. Um, that hustle. Yeah, universe, but I had like a lot of different language. like businesses, and um, and I was just trying to find like my calling, mm. and um, you know, <laughs> it was crazy because I had a friend who was from Kenya, mm-hmm. and um, and uh, he beca- like. I was getting assistance mm-hmm. um, from this nonprofit organization. Okay. And um, that's how I met him. And he's like, you know, you should look into nonprofits. Mm. And I've, al- I've always been resourceful. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's, that's, uh, the hu- that's the hustler in your And I'm like, yeah. what is like, what is a nonprofit? And so when I found that out, and I'm like, oh, okay. So when people have ideas and they take those ideas and people provide funding for them to uh, live out these ideas and you are able to define your own career, you're able to create, build a legacy and have a positive social impact in the world. Like, wow, like, yeah, you know, I want to do a nonprofit. Yeah. But um, so this isn't a transitional, like very questioning part of my life. Because I was um, applying for my my FAFSA like so many times, mm-hmm. and like for one year, my mom worked like and made like m- too much money. Um, 
I didn't qualify for. So there was years and like there's two years where I was applying and just not getting financial aid. And I was like, damn, you know, like, you know what? I'm looking into this nonprofit thing. My friend was like, hey, you should go to Africa. And I'm like, <laughs> I, I there was a point where I actually uh, went to Bali by myself that was like a huge turning point because my life, my whole life as a little girl, is like afraid to do things by myself mm. and go places by myself. I wanted my mom to come with me, and um, so when I went to Bali, that gave me like, like I landed. It's like, oh my gosh! Like there's like cars driving in the middle of the streets, like, yeah. and but like I had worked so hard to get there, and I was staying in this beautiful villa. I would just walk you know these streets i was totally just exploring this such a foreign place and yeah. i was seeing the art i was being okay with being by myself mm. and um it was just it gave me this completely i saw how others were making business happen and and in these different countries it's like it's encouraged to start your own business that's how the majority of um of the people are supporting their families or yeah. by like their own businesses yeah, and yeah. here it's so different because it's like get a go to school get a job like work for someone else yeah. Yeah. i don't think that was ever like instilled in me yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> jobs were really hard for me to like <laughs> keep yeah but um yeah and so my friend was like you should go to africa and um and I was only gone in Bali. I was gone in Bali for like a week, and that just like completely like changed my whole world. Mm. And um, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go to Africa. Mm. And so I was searching online. I was like, you know what? I can't. I need to do this. I need to really think about this. I want to go, and I want to work like with people. I want to serve a purpose there. Um, I want to get hands-on experience mm. with. <laughs> Hands-on experience yeah. with a nonprofit, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I could start my own, yeah. and <laughs> it'll be so easy. Uh, still haven't started it off right now. <laughs> um, and uh, so, you know, and I and I wanted to work with women. I wanted. Uh, I was my soul was just like wanting to establish so much independence on my own that yeah. you know. That's what I wanted to instill and, yeah. and you know, uh, give confidence to other women about it. It's like, you can do it. And mm -hmm. I don't know how I was thinking I was going to do that. And uh, but it's so I was searching and searching for a community based organization mm. that had an in-person opportunity to volunteer. It took me three months. Mm. And like when I found it, I booked it my round trip ticket on Emirates was like $580. I was like, oh, this is actually doable. Yeah. Like I thought it was going to be like the craziest thing. But it, by this time I had been saving up, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, um, and uh, I went through this volunteer agency. Um, forgot what I was going to say. But I was the first volunteer to work with the center. Okay, and this was this was going to Kenya, right? This was going to Kenya. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Oh, but when I had realized like, in that process of like, why am I not finding this? Mm -hmm. Like that already was like, damn. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I was kind of getting a feel for where 
Africa was really at mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. um you know their their equality mm-hmm. and um man when I did land uh it was so crazy because there was like zebras on the other side of the fence there is like soldiers with like AK-47 surrounding the plane mm. I'm like oh my god yes yeah, I'm lot. alone I honestly I had no idea what to expect. I didn't know if this organization was real. At this point, I was just like, Yo, you're just okay. Like, you're like I don't home. care if yeah. I never come back. Yeah. Like, it is that's it just is. where I was yeah. in life. I was just like, You were moved I, though. Like, you were moved to do that and to just go and explore. I just wanted to just go do something crazy. But that's mm-hmm. the power of like, kind of like just leaning into the unknown. Yeah. Because it's like, you know what you, and the reason I asked that is because, you know, before something becomes a real tangible materialized thing, um, it does require a lot of leaning into the unknown. Mm-hmm. Like you, you already know innately what you're trying to do, what you're mm-hmm. trying to accomplish. Like we were talking about the other day, like how you're trying to connect, but you don't know where it's going to start, how it's going to start, but you just got to lean in. So do you know what's so weird? It's like when I was working at Mac and this and, you know, they hate me taking, like, time off. <laughs> but, Every job they yeah. take yeah. time off. It's like, you know you can get fired, right? I'm like, <laughs> you know I'm going on this trip, right? Um, <laughs> but, like, I would have, all of a sudden, when this idea came and when Kenya became the destination, I didn't go because, like, my friend uh, who was encouraging me to go was from Kenya, Mombasa, Kenya, to be exact. Yeah. Um, Ever since that I that seed was planted, I started like people were coming in to Mac from Kenya, mm. like telling me, "Oh, you should go. Oh, it's so safe. It's so safe. You mm. are all good. Yeah. You you will be just fine." Like I started meeting people named Kenya. I like Kenya, 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 Kenya. Oh, wow. Like, and this is still as I was like searching and stuff. So it's like there were signs all around me. I had someone come into to the counter it was just me and her and uh i have like a unique birthday it's all nines so it's september 9th 1999 so mm. 9999 oh, wow. mm. yeah. and this lady was like just looking for lipstick and she she we're, we're just talking and um she's like yeah like i'm into numerology and i'm like oh well you know yeah maybe i can mm. get a laugh out of this and I'm like, well, my birthday, wait until you hear this one, is 9999. And she goes, oh, so she took out a paper. I still have this paper. It's on, like, one of the Mac cards. Yeah. And she starts, like, doing this math. And she goes, like, oh, oh, okay. So you are, are a humanitarian. Oh, you're going to work with women. You're going to change a lot of women's lives. I see fashion involved. You're about to embark on something. You're going to make a big impact in this world. And I'm like, I'm literally going to Kenya to work with a women's center. Yeah. And like... That's crazy that you that's, said. No, that's I, wild. Like, literally, that was like, I'll never forget that. And I still have that card to this day. Like, she just like, I, okay, maybe I have my story. Maybe this was like in between the second time that I was going to go because I was going to get 
a suitcase mm-hmm. of clothes mm-hmm. I had, you know, um, and bring it back here to showcase it and, and tell these ladies stories. So I, I had told her that um, too, but I was like, if there's not a sign that says yeah. do it, <laughs> you gotta you gotta you gotta pay attention. Yeah. You gotta pay attention to that to those signs too. Like it was there there we get them every day. I, I believe so. I think yeah. we get them in different ways. So this whole this journey and path, like I could tell you some really crazy like things that have like just it's been all it's like every single like thing that has like needed to happen like getting the gallery going to africa all these times like i've gotten like random checks from the irs like when i needed like for tax returns like oh you forgot this amount or we forgot this amount like things have been like given just I've, I've been given just what I need, like gotten customers and stuff, gotten yeah. just what I need to make what I need to make happen. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, it's just like, it's that, all been divinely guided yep. and I never really knew what it was. And I feel like I know now um, that, you know, with where I'm at right now with the gallery, I'm like, oh, like this is so much bigger than me. Mm, yeah. This is so much bigger than just like the women yeah. at the center, uh, and maybe I really don't know the full depths of it, but um, you know. Yeah, no, it's, that's it's, crazy. It's uh, that's the beauty of the journey, right there, for, real, for sure. Man. Definitely. That's like a man. I don't know what I got out of that is. I like just keep doing what you're doing, you know, because mm-hmm. then everything's gonna keep like working itself out, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm and I'm gonna do just that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so kind of like obviously describing kind of you being able to bridge the gap, right, between what, what exists in Africa and then bringing it here. Um, like, where, how, what's that process like for those who may want to, you know, c- reconnect with their, um, their homeland and do something similar? Um, what's that process like to be able to like transport certain items and artifacts and just culture in general um, across the waters? Okay, so I feel like what you're asking is like two different things. It's like mm. being able to like bring pieces back, but also addressing like I think that's a little bit different than addressing like the the gap that's gotcha. here as a culture. Like, got you. Um, you know. It was just like this connection between like like I'm thinking right now of the photo right when you walk into the gallery. Mm-hmm. It's you have these indigenous warriors wearing these modern bucket hats, mm-hmm. and as an African American walking into the gallery, or or you know just someone someone who is black in America walking into the gallery and seeing that, mm-hmm. I didn't. This is always a vision that I had, but I never really, like, it's like you see what's going on and the me- meaning behind it, but putting words behind that is, like, a completely different thing. Like, actually, like, addressing that, mm-hmm. that gap is a completely different thing, and mm-hmm. it's so interesting when people come in and they put it into their own words mm. um, because... Uh, you know, a saying of of uh, one of my mentors right now, Eugene. He's a 
the now curator at my gallery. Shout out Eugene. Shout out, Shout out Eugene. Eugene. Good, good people. Oh good my peoples. gosh. The blessing. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, he's like, because he, he's an African art collector mm-hmm. and he collects pieces that you are not going to see like in anyone's home and mm-hmm. anyone's gallery, mm-hmm. like, and, um, but in art and in, in everything that we do in culture, like the, who, who we are now, who, who, like this artists who, who man is today came from the one before mm-hmm. him. Yeah. And, um, and uh you know i think that right now we're in a time where you know we're being so highly influenced and and we're being driven all of our buildings are starting to look the same you don't have neighborhoods like pioneer square anymore yeah. you're being told what to put on your face what your face needs to look like yeah. what you know clothes you need to be putting on your body how you you should be doing that and um and i'm like when where am i going with this yeah yeah i hear you i'll do that a lot i'll just like space out um but you know i think that the journey into recognizing and and also you know okay this is where i need to take it this is where I need to take it as black folks. And I'm just talking about uh, uh, African-Americans right now mm-hmm. in, in America. Um, you know, when when we came into the U.S. and in, you know, under the circumstances of slavery, we were not allowed to speak our native languages. We weren't allowed to practice uh our traditions, mm-hmm. uh, all of that was stripped from us. Mm-hmm. And so, and it was stripped from us to make us feel so powerless and controlled. We were told what religion we need to believe, what language we need to speak, mm-hmm. what knowledge about the world, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, is, is what this world is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And... I think that um, bridging this gap right now and, and again, like what I felt when I went to Africa, I was so proud mm. to see how beautiful the people were, how beautiful the culture was, mm-hmm. like, and, and the land and how they've preserved it. And just like, it starts with going back to the previous, you know, like, yeah. Like journeying back into history, and um, and art Mm -hmm. was a form. The art, the pieces that I have in the gallery right now, Mm -hmm. they were used. They were used as vessels Mm -hmm. to connect. They and they were they weren't just made to look pretty. Yeah. The the reason why they're so carefully, like why these baskets were so carefully, like it took like so many different processes just to make one basket yeah you know it was made for a reason to connect to another realm into the divine to our ancestors Mm -hmm. and and 
communicate and like it was used. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and do, yeah. do you do you feel like so? Do you feel like when see what I'm saying? No, I, I know exactly what you're yeah. saying okay. because I've and my question is kind of to describe what that's like for you to know what it's like firsthand, like going to the source, mm-hmm. understanding the context behind everything, but mm-hmm. then also knowing what you're bringing it into mm-hmm. in this, this this place that we live in right now that may not see it that way. So, mm, um, exactly. you know what I mean? Well, you know, and, and um, I don't think that, well, in our culture right now, and with where you know these pieces are going, how these pieces are displayed, and I talk about the art because you know these were the the things that were left behind to tell the stories, mm-hmm. and um, that's why art is so important and why it's my way of being able to communicate here and visually and um, and uh, in a world, and of course, America right now isn't going to understand. I mean, I do you see the the understand. current like highest percentage of in the demographic of people in Seattle right now? Like, they're not going to understand, and I don't even think we understand. Yeah. I didn't understand. Yeah. I'm still learning. Yeah. You know, the depths of um and the of the unraveling of how spiritual and and rich you know, African history and, and culture is. And, mm-hmm. um, and I mean, in ancient Egypt, uh, when, like, Rome, ancient Rome was, like, taking off, a- Rome wouldn't be have been Rome mm-hmm. without Egypt, mm-hmm. without Egypt's help in, uh, in like, supplying... Uh, soldiers to yeah. help them fight and and um, that's why I love Cleopatra so much yeah. there's a wonderful documentary on Netflix that like talks about that um, so the world wouldn't be what it is today without Africa yeah um, and I think that the way that that information is displayed um, and in the way that we communicate through so many different forms art music dance food mm-hmm. it's something that all cultures can connect with mm-hmm. the the use and the reasoning of why we were making this art and how we were using it like baskets and stuff is the same way that um, other cultures were using it all over the world mm. and um, and there's so much connection in cultures and yeah. and so you know we need to see these stories displayed in ways that will be taken seriously mm-hmm. yeah. um, you know that's why and we need to to be able to build community around this Mm -hmm. and it's not just black folks it's Mm -hmm. not just africans it's it's you know this is a space that connects cultures and it's you know it's everyone really that's that's Mm -hmm. that's the piece there yeah that because i will always like like how can i how do i make everyone feel comfortable in this space through like african art yeah (laughs) And then it's like, and then I met Eugene, and he's like, "Uh, sweetie, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I, I got you." <laughs> no one would be anyone without Africa. Yeah, <laughs> and here's he's, why. Eugene, I like Eugene because yeah. he's like Eugene's he's a refreshing good. reminder that you need sometimes, you know. Yeah. With that he's wisdom. like, uh, hello, 
It's right in front of you. <laughs> You're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> what a special person. But um, yeah, yeah. I mean, bridging the gap through art. I think that was the best way I could no, have possibly no, it. Come on, I think it's I not, handled that question. Not, you know what? It's, no, not, yeah. it's not supposed to be a simple answer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, so for sure. You definitely did that. Yeah, but yeah. It, I think that not just by selling a product, not just by, uh, you know, having a sip and paint. I don't think that's going to, I think, but it's building an experience yeah. because, um, you know, we haven't really seen African art displayed, like how, I mean, not to toot my own horn, but how the gallery displays it. No, real shit. Um, yeah. No, that's for real. Talk. I could, that's yeah. real. I'll you know, that. you don't, yeah. and, and that yeah. alone, mm -hmm. that alone. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's real. There's so, no space like it. Yeah. Well, speaking about the space, mm. um, Talk what, to what's what's the beauty in like having the space serve like multiple purposes? You know, so like it'll be a gallery, and then you can have an event there. You got different rooms, so it's like, mm -hmm. um, like different rooms that were empty for so long, and I yeah. had no idea what to do with it. Um, it had to be that way. It had mm -hmm. to be so multi-purpose in order to sustain itself, and unfortunately, like you know. Tazwira is the only African uh, art gallery in Seattle. Mm. And, um, you know, you look at, like, why is that? Like, a lot of people who are in, like, the African art game, they're retiring right now. A lot of uh, folks who have had, have had gal the African art galleries, um, they just haven't been able to sustain themselves. Yeah. And, and I think that it's because there's been a lack of, of, uh, you know, bringing community together in yeah. a space. And so that's, and also, you know, just operating as a, as a retail store, like, mm -hmm. I've tried that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> tried it in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. It's not gonna, you know, I wouldn't be able to continue doing what I'm doing and sharing the story if it was just for, you know, waiting till the end of the week to see if I meet sales goals. Like, yeah. Yeah. it's it's, you know business wise like and it was so hard because like at the beginning of this like i almost like i felt like i lost a sense of creativity because i was so like focused on business and it was yeah. like a very hard yeah. you know that's the part yeah. we don't talk about yeah, yeah. like yeah that's <laughs> how am i gonna make this <laughs> work i've never done this before yeah, yeah. no one's even really doing this and well, like you know well, okay so bring <laughs> yeah. that. that's actually crazy because that was actually something i did want to bring up which is a conversation we've been having. I think actually we're going to have with uh, the world is yours, uh, which is the workshop we do um, passion versus practicality and how sometimes the creative side, the passionate side has to find a way to marry the practicality side. Mm -hmm. So like the business and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's ever going balanced though. It's, it's always going to be teeter. It's going to teeter back and yeah. forth. You know? But you'll always know because like, when you, for me, like when I saw people like, like really like, eh, I got tall walls and concrete floors. When there's music playing in there, it is a vibe. Oh yeah. And when you have the community, like, you know, getting down, talking, laughing, you got people speaking in a different language over here. And like, just everyone's like, like having a good time in that yeah. space that you work so hard to create. Yeah. And, um, you know, the right path is gonna 
you you're just gonna feel that mm. and you're like man I need a. This is how I bring the community together. Yeah. This is how I partner mm -hmm. with other organizations mm -hmm. and bring all different parts of the community in this space. Mm -hmm. And you know, this is also the part that is having the highest payout, where p everyone who attends and you know is going to feel like they are making their contribution to the space they're mm -hmm. gonna know and feel the reasoning behind it yep. to support mm -hmm. you know like yeah we need more yeah. events like this we need more places like this like yeah. it make it you know it's connecting the dots for everything and um and so fo following what brought me joy was how i kind of ended up making those those like what feels right yeah. yeah you know having selling clothes in there and just other that didn't feel right mm -hmm. it didn't give me the chance to really yeah. bring people in here i was like There's do more. i need to open like a like a cafe coffee shop in here so i can have people sitting and working and yeah. it's like, no that yeah. didn't feel right yeah. you know um yeah so yeah no that's that's actually well speaking of the fashion side of things, and I think you can speak to this because you obviously design. Started there, yeah. You know, you, you design a lot of pieces, fashion pieces, African pieces. I'm just curious because we live in a very Eurocentric, praising and glorifying fashion world, right? Like people love the fashion designs that come from these Euro designers, you know what I mean? Um, and do you feel like do you feel like there's a space or there's a need for kind of the Afrocentric fashion, but it just has to be kind of ushered in? Like, what is your take on that? Because I just <laughs> noticed, like, everybody's just so fixated on this designer stuff, but it's like there's people who can make the same thing and it can be Afrocentric. I don't know. There's three parts to what you just said. Mm -hmm. There's the exploit uh, exploitation mm -hmm. of African culture and high fashion right now yep. because there's tons of it. Yep. Oh, yeah. Um, yep. There's that. There's the lack of African textiles in today's retail spaces and markets. And then there's uh, what was the third one? I told myself I was not going to forget it. <laughs> well, it'll come to me. Yeah. Um, uh, give me a second. So this is a complex topic. That's what I'm trying to say, man. Yeah. Yeah. You know, a lot. Um, yeah, no, it'll come to me, but, yeah. uh, yeah, so, I mean, I'll start with the first one. So, the exploitation of African, uh, textiles and fabrics. No one really, like, knows or put two and two together, because, you know, the Maasai tribe isn't really talked about that often, or, like, a known unless you're like watching National Geographic or something and, and there's certain episodes that it might be mentioned here, just, you know, in the United States. Mm -hmm. um, but like, like plaid, mm -hmm. <laughs> when um, uh, originally plaid, uh, you'll see the Maasai wearing this, this fabric this plaid fabric red and black just draped over them and it's their traditional garb mm. uh, these were uh, textiles that were made using the red clay and charcoal 
and the different patternings that they would uh, there because there's a few signature patterns that they use. Mm. Those were used to differ- differentiate their uh, family lineages because it's like a, a polygamous tribe. They Got have you. multiple mm. wives. Got you. Well, you look back to that. Um, so during, look back to the to the colonization of Kenya in Tanzania. Mm-hmm. Um, Kenya like established its independence in the 60s in like yeah. the early 60s. Mm-hmm. That's not that long ago. Yeah. When yeah. the British came and colonized um Kenya and Tanzania, um they went through the different they went through all of the villages mm-hmm. and they murdered everyone who didn't convert Mm -hmm. and in return for the natural resources that Mm -hmm. their um, land, you know, was abundant in and for their cattle and their goats. Mm -hmm. And they didn't just murder people, but they like, like it's a hard thing for people to hear, but it was like the things that the women have had to endure the children mm-hmm. you know it's like mm-hmm. because because women and children have been the ones even now in the civil war and like congo and stuff like that mm-hmm. are affected the most by mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. this um and as you know during this time when when these places were colonized what were the i Iconic patterns, like what was the iconic pattern in in the UK? Mm. What's what is Scotland's like? <laughs> yep. Yeah, yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Known for the kill. Right. Yep. Yeah, yep. And that you know, and so it's like no one really thinks like, oh, this this plaid was actually an indigenous uh, fabric and print. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean. So that's like the first part of it. You see yeah. it in Versace. You see it in oh, just man. everywhere. Yeah, I I've see seen. It all the time. Yeah, I mean, and we still wear it. That's the crazy thing. That's the part. Well, I'm oh, like, that's actually. Oh, that's the third one. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, High I five. Got you. I was, I was like, High I five. We, we was gonna get that's there. That's the third <laughs> one. Okay, so I'll just get right into that. Um, and so you know, the other part is like when people like when I was doing markets and stuff on a table a little smaller than the size, like six foot table. Um, uh, yeah, this is like some custom cut, like, I don't know what this <laughs> thank is. Thank you, thank you. I wish you. I had this kind of table when <laughs> I was selling stuff. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, like people, I feel, I don't know why people felt like they could like barter with me on the, the prices of my, you know, things that were like African print. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, and like, you know, try to get cheaper and stuff. It's like it's like that's like ingrained and yeah. like oh, yeah. like you know, I'm gonna try to get a cheaper price for this stuff. Yeah. Even black folks. Yep. You know, they'll go and spend, and everyone knows this. Everyone, this is like the most talked about thing. But people, like the person right next to you, the person who's cheering you on, and your friend is will feel cooler buying a you know, $300 Gucci sandals, but won't want to invest, you know, into a hat for like a hundred dollars, you know, from you or or a bucket hat from Gucci. We can even do the same thing, like bucket hat from Burberry and a bucket, you know, an African bucket hat. Yeah. Mm. The Burberry hat 
that's cool. Like $300, $400. An African bucket hat, one of its kind, you're never going to find anything like yeah. it in mm. any space. You're yeah. going to be the only one wearing this. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, maybe that's actually, now it's actually making sense. But, you yeah. know, that's too much. And, um, you know, so that's a whole other part of the conversation. Yeah, and, it's, and it's deeply rooted, though. I think it's just based on what we see value in. And I think the real question is, do we see value in ourselves? Yeah. Because if you see value in yourself, you'll understand, like, oh, okay, this is very valuable. Facts. That's probably just looks cool or may make me feel good when I wear it. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, it's not really... I don't think it's uh, necessarily that person's fault. Like, and and I've learned oh, yeah, more sure. about this when you know I, I dove into the world of merchandising and stuff. But it's it's the fact that like you're not seeing these things in stores. Mm-hmm. You don't see it anywhere. You're not going to find African in Nordstroms, mm-hmm. in Macy's, mm-hmm. in Saks. Like, it's it it is an untouched market. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think that's my superpower. I like finding things that aren't happening or haven't happened, and mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. doing that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, that's dope. But in and that and when you do see it, it's you know I guarantee you it's not being you know it's it's being manufactured in, in China. Mm-hmm. Uh, the patterning is not even like traditionally like acceptable or appropriate at yeah. all it's just like the worst you know <laughs> bootlegged yeah. like the br- african the print like yeah. um and and so you know but that's been done purposefully mm-hmm. you know it's yeah. it's yeah. yeah yeah i mean it's it's been done purposefully and i think that i mean and then you look at oh someone who i i do look up to a lot aurora james um Y'all probably do you know Aurora James? Aurora James. Aurora, Aurora James. Aurora James. Okay. Well, she has this uh, company called uh, this clothing brand called Brother Vellies, and um, okay. she has a great job. She like gives jobs to people in Africa and stuff. Um, but her nonprofit, the Fifteen Percent Pledge, it's called the Fifteen Percent Pledge because there's fifteen. It's said like um, the diaspora of black folks in America is 15%. And Mm. so she's holding this, this foundation and and pledge is holding large retail stores accountable for having at least 15% of their shelf space before people of color. Mm. And they're finding out that like places like target and like it's less than 1%, Mm. You know, and but they're also helping them like get to that next. Day. So yeah. they work with a lot of black-owned businesses and yeah. and put them on and into these retail. Stores. And they've had so much money, you know, now being funneled into black-owned businesses. And you know, I give so much props to what she's doing. Yeah. Um, my take on Tazria is like, again, all of this comes from the person who came before you. So. Yeah. I would say before Aurora James, uh, it was Tom's. Mm-hmm. You know the 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 model of Tom's. You buy a pair of shoes, and a kid in Africa gets it. Mm. You know how many shoes are like in like actually like clothing is like more of like like they don't need clothing there. There's 
miles and miles of land that's just wasteland. Like it's yeah. like actually creating such a toxic environment yeah. for the because a lot of a lot of fast fashion brands will just dump their stuff and just send like mm. pe- like shipments of like uh you know tightly uh wrapped clothing like blocks pretty much of yeah. clothing and just you Dump know it and it's like they're donating to a good cause no they're getting rid of their trash yeah. on on you know but um and so you'll see a lot of kids wearing like <laughs> trump 20 you know 19 yeah. or whatever yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. miami heat world yeah. champs yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah man they didn't even win bro yeah but you know what I mean? yeah. <laughs> like stuff, yeah, yeah. um no, so i, I mean uh, there was that model and then there's the model of oh well we're gonna pay people in Africa to make our clothes. And in, and and this is where things start to change and where, you know, my perspective into this industry, I think, can, can hopefully influence the person who comes after me because uh, I think that that's wonderful. Aurora James is like, yeah, like... And I really love Aurora James, but I also think that things need to... I, you know... We also need to do better than just like giving jobs to people in Africa because like she I, she ran into an issue where like there was uh, one of her manufacturing like places in Kenya like they actually like stopped wanting to make shoes for her because they didn't like the you know she's she's having them make like European styles mm. and they didn't really like it mm. and um, and when you give someone a job that puts a cap to what is able to be provided to their families. Yeah. Like there's like a cap to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but <clears throat> with Tazwira mm-hmm. and working with the, the center mm-hmm. through making bucket hats, through making overalls and, and, and the other pieces, um, not only is it helping them, you know, and providing for them financially, but it's giving them the education mm. to be able to be a source for yep. other brands yep. and and um, and clients and actually be able to hire ten other people. Yep. You know, it's t- yeah. it's it's and that's how you know you can give people money and and uh, you know when you go to Africa, you know this is like a thing. Like you can either give people money or you can give them the tools yep. to make their own money and that there's no cap to that Talk you about know it. Yeah. Talk there's about no it. cap yeah and so education is number one that's for real. right now and um and the way that africa is it's like we are on the brink of losing ownership of everything mm-hmm. everything and it honestly at this point it's going to take like another nelson mandela to being able to like give power to the people like because no education is being funneled that's being like well that i can see mm-hmm. this is just me you know and, and i'm constantly learning more about what's happening and like yeah. meeting with people and being educated on the things that are actually like happening right now um but all establishing ownership yeah yeah is like so important yeah you know you gotta know what you got yeah and power and i think pouring into others with education resources tools and opportunity Mm -hmm. for them to build themselves up right 
to yeah. take ownership of their own dreams and what they want to do, like that right there is is super powerful. And that's a universal like language. You know what I mean? So the fact that you're doing that for them is through what you guys got going on at Test whereas I think that's the yeah. part maybe most people wouldn't know about, but I'm glad that you're able to share that. So Yeah, I mean I just use these pieces here to to share their story, um, to be able to fill that gap in, in retail spaces. Yeah. Um, and hopefully to create uh, a product that is African print in a way that more people are going to feel dope wearing it because it's just yeah. dope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah nah. That's what you said. We all know it. I mean, you know, there's stuff that I see. I'm like, oh, wow. Because like, like East African traditional clothes, I'll see Gucci making it. And I'll just be like, wow, but they oh, kind of really? they kind of tweaked it a little bit to where mm-hmm. they kind of try to mask it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, we see it. We see it, man. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> so I'm just like, yeah. But if a brand like that is so um, influential, yeah. it's like, they're, I don't know. Oh, there's it's, it's so many African designers right now that are, you know, coming up. And, yeah. uh, you know, I'll Google these things like yeah. African designers like and see what Vogue posts and stuff. And like a lot of even in. You know what surprised me the most? Like, oh, I was going to say that these designers aren't given the proper platforms and voice, exactly. and, and they're not given the opportunity. Exactly. Um, and that's why we don't see yeah. an African fashion house that's like Gucci and stuff. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but even in Africa, like Africa is like, I have friends that are in the music industry in Nigeria. They're popping. They got money. They're doing their thing wearing gucci and stuff like that i'm like man like why are you wearing (laughs) gucci yeah why are you and he's and i'm like why don't you wear like african print yeah like you guys are performing shows and like and and you guys are like hot out in nigeria like what is why and he's like like there's no we don't know where to get it you know, there's yeah. no places out there mm. that are like putting it into like the stores they're shopping in. And so yeah. I'm like, even in Africa, mm-hmm. yeah, even in Africa, a lot of the streetwear brands that you see are graphic T-shirts mm. and like, you know, mm. Nigeria has some really dope like streetwear brand like festivals and like yeah. things like that. Yeah, and you know, I'm like, I'm looking through these brands. I'm looking through the African brands that have their stores, mm. um, their storefronts in New York and it's just graphic t-shirts yeah. and i'm like what yeah, yeah. where is the african print yeah. like where is it yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah well no, someone you know right. you're you're definitely leading the charge and doing it yeah. um and again it's representation so you never know who's watching you never know who's going to be inspired and wants to yeah. jump on that train so um now man you've been dropping some a lot of gems uh we appreciate that um i i do want to kind of give you a chance to speak to the future, near future, maybe long-term future, but like what excites you or what do you got coming up down the pipeline? Anything that people should know about near and I don't know. What are you looking forward to? Near now and future. So right now the gallery is taking like a really huge transition Mm -hmm. and like even like y'all saw like we're still kind of like in painting and construction. We got like big artifacts. If y'all saw the piece that Eugene brought in today, six seven feet tall it's like oh wow huge oh wow huge um and uh 
I don't even know what it is because it's yeah. still wrapped, but yeah. I can see like the wood. I'm like, what is that? Is that like a sarcophagus? <laughs> like, it's serious. It's clear. Shout out stuff, Eugene. Shout, shout out Eugene. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, like, like the gallery is taking a huge, huge turn right now. And mm. ever since I signed the lease in May, we got the Tazweer Day proclamation. Mm-hmm. We, um, uh, are utilizing these different rooms and spaces and yeah. ways that are going to really bring the community together and offer like a really luxe, uh, and high end experience in mm-hmm. the gallery. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> I I was just I'm like, am I gonna say the hookah room? But I guess I'll just drop that <laughs> shit out there. Oh man, I've well, got so excited. I'm like, am I gonna say? <laughs> you know what's crazy? I seen it yesterday. But I seen the hookah. So, okay. Can you just <laughs> imagine? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I seen it. Yeah, that's an experience. And, uh, for sure. It's an experience. It's a part of like the culture. It's a part of the way that you know we all connect and get together over hookah tea, like. Yeah. It's a part of the way that that our cultures host others, and so it's going to be a part of the gallery. Yeah, I think that. that we can, like, honestly, man, I feel so blessed because I've been sacrificing everything, like, through COVID, like, getting... Like, I didn't pay my rent during COVID. I got it covered through, like, rental assistance Mm -hmm. and just, like, you know, I struggled. I've been working so hard, and I'm finally seeing the fruits of my labor Mm. pay off. I'm finally seeing these partnerships and these collaborations happening and bringing people into the gallery that, like, like, tomorrow we got this Erica Badu, like, pre-fund. Homegirl messages me and is like, yo, like, my people, they're friends with Erica Badu's managing company. So, like, we're going to see if we can make, like, a visit happen. If Erica Badu came to my gallery, yeah. which is, like, where she would be so into it, my job here is, like, I'm, I'm done. speaking that into existence. Yeah. My she job will, here is, she will is be done. There. I just she will be there. met I'm, every I'm, goal. I'm manifesting that. Like, yeah. <laughs> like there, there's certain things happening right now that I'm, like, was my North Star. And... Like this is happening now, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, you know. Yeah. So yeah, lots of partnerships and and collaborations. I've other than you know the me partnering with Seattle Restore to get into the space. I've never received any type of funding mm-hmm. at all. This has all been you know funded by me mm-hmm. and just like really really pushing this and yeah. ha- hosting event. Like all of this is me. Yeah. Um and. So like the minute I do get a little bit of funding, yeah. oh my gosh, yeah, um, <laughs> oh, yeah. There's, uh, but yeah, I mean, we're consistency is key. Yep. It takes a community. Yep. It has taken a community up to this point. I'm gonna be doing a relaunch in September when we have every every everything, um, like really in there. The big big artifact pieces that you know, it's like. Yeah, and you don't got the big big stuff in there yeah. yet. No, I don't have oh, the big big stuff in there yet. You know, like it's I said, all good. Mm-hmm. You guys can set your pace. Don't react to the race. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's coming. And yeah. um, and you know, we'll see. Yep, there you we'll go. We'll see. Yep. But <laughs> right <there> on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you know, honestly, like the events that we host, that's. That's where the community's at. That's where we're bringing people together. Yep. Um, 
Uh, we're re- I'm really working on uh, in secret the Taswira Foundation, which is our nonprofit mm-hmm. um, that will actually be able to provide fund. It'll be all you know surrounding being able to provide funding for uh, Black-owned businesses mm-hmm. and artists um, and you know creatives in every field. Yeah. Um, so. A lot to look forward yeah, to. Yeah, lots of real. bold and ambitious programming. That's cool. um, but That's you cool. know, my intention is is really here to be able to just like every artist that I feature, it's like, okay, who's in my network that I can introduce you to? How yeah. can we like really make this like as beneficial as possible? How what kind of media source can can I get you, you know, your first interview on and yeah. And what's the next gallery? I line people up with their next gallery, yeah. you know, yeah. people who have never even had that representation. And, yeah. and because they were featured in Tazwira, like, you know, they've and I know what that feels like because yeah. so many people wouldn't allow me to speak or, you know, ha- have my voice be on their uh, in their article, you know, and I was asked and just no response, no response until I was on this you know thing or converge and Mm -hmm. then they're you know coming and asking me like hey can you do this and it's like man but you know it is what it is um thank god for it all yeah yeah and 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 this relaunch in september is like man thank you for all of those who like made it happen like this isn't just for this isn't for me this isn't just for but this is like a celebration for y'all and like and what's to come and what this is gonna do because you know, Tazwira is, is the also the last remaining Black-owned gallery in yeah. Pioneer Square. And Pioneer Square is, like, the gallery central. Mm-hmm. So it's like, we have to come together right That's now. Real. Like, this is why I've, I've struggled so hard. It's because of this. And so... That's right. Um, yeah, and in the next five years, I see Tazwira being... You know, if I still am in this location... Um, I see Tazwira being a, a destination spot where, you know, collectors, curators will fly out to come and see the types of pieces that we have, mm. and, um, and <laughs> yeah, I'll just. Future is bright. Yeah, future is bright, man. Very bright. Yeah, my blind, really my blind you, my blind you. Nah, 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 we're super excited. We're proud of you. Um, really? Now I do have this final question that we ask every Sweet. guest. Um, or do you have something you want to say? I was just going to say, where can people find you if they want to yeah, yeah, come through, sure. um, find you on the internet, website? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Africa on Instagram. Um, the gallery is right in Pioneer Square next to Lumen Field, uh, five t- 510 Occidental Avenue South. Our hours are Wednesday through Sunday, 11 to 6. Um, website tazwira.org we got the event calendar on there check it out yep. see what you want to slide up on um, mm-hmm. and and show some face because yeah. no one really like gets it until they step foot they see where the gallery is and yep. they step foot and they see like you gotta pull up <laughs> you gotta pull up I encourage everybody who's listening and watching who's able to to go pull up go yeah. experience it firsthand. yeah yeah I went yesterday and won't be my last time for yep. sure for real. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Um, now, final question. We always ask every guest this question. So if you can, what is one word to describe what keeps you on the up and up and why? One word? One word. Uh, extraordinary. 
Mm. Extraordinary. 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 Mm. Nice. I think well, that's the first time we got that. Yeah. And yeah. Why, why that word? Because uh, it's like, when you say someone is extraordinary, something is extraordinary, they're like, this is extra, like, this is like, it's like you're, it, people use that when they're like discovering like sarcophaguses in like mm-hmm. Egypt or something. Like, mm-hmm. this is like an extraordinary discovery. Like, that means it's, it's something that doesn't come around, mm. uh, you know? It's one, uh, sometimes once in a lifetime thing. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I like to, t- I think the energy that I, I possess is like, you know, very extraordinary. Yeah. <laughs> I feel the only one doing mm-hmm. this. Um, yeah. But also it's like, be so different, you know, and just keep being different and, and doing different shit. And, uh, and, uh, and you know because it my story is what got me places like mm. when i had the opportunity to speak in front of every single like executive director and the mayor i threw my script away and i just spoke from my heart yep. and mm. that's what they remembered me by and that's what made me different mm. i love that yep be extraordinary be extraordinary i love yeah, it i love it. that is the first time yeah. we did get that word too for the one word so I like that's an extraordinary What's word. What's like right the there. other words? Extraordinary like, moment. We, we've got what, 98 of them now. <laughs> yeah. So okay. there's a lot of them. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, Avery, again, we just want to thank you for, for being here, um, sharing your story, sharing mm-hmm. your experiences. Um, again, like I said, if you're listening or watching and you're not inspired, run it back. Go listen <laughs> to it again. Go watch it again. Yeah. Um, but your story is inspiring. We're, we're proud of you. We're inspired by yeah. what you do. Um, you know you got support with us here at the Up and Up always. Always. Right? Um, yeah. And with that being said, I think it's safe to say Avery Barnes and Tess Weir are officially members of the Up and Up. Yeah. Round of applause. <laughs> yeah. I think my edges are curling up in here. <laughs> it's hot. It Yo, what up? It's Rubino. And this is DJ Earn. We hope you enjoyed that episode and that now you have a better understanding of what it means to live life on the up and up. To continue supporting the podcast and the entire up and up movement, be sure to rate, review, like, and subscribe. As well as follow us at underscore the up and up on all social media platforms to stay connected with everything the up and up has coming your way. Thanks for listening. And until the next one, keep it on the up and up.